the Lord. About midnight, I will go out in the midst of Egypt and every firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne to, to the firstborn of the slave girl who's behind the handmill and all the firstborn of the cattle. There shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there has never been nor ever will be again. But, but not a, a dog shall growl against any of the people of Israel, either man or beast, that you may know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. There's really only two points that I want to make to you this morning as we look at this text, at this most memorable story from Scripture. Just two points. The first one is this. The consequence of sin is death. Number one, the consequence of sin is that so far, in, in a sense, on one side, we have seen what? The hardness of Pharaoh's heart on display. We have seen the ignorance of Pharaoh as he kind of digs his heels in against a sovereign God with his words, who's the Lord that I should obey him? We have seen the arrogance of Pharaoh as he gives these fake and feigned false confessions of repentance. Remember when he said, we saw it just last week, where, where Pharaoh, these words came out of Pharaoh's mouth. I have sinned and the Lord is in the right and I am in the wrong. Please stop the hell. Just stop the hell. Such arrogance. He didn't mean it. Sadly, like words sometimes come out of our mouth. Lord, forgive me. I confess this. And sadly, what? It's feigned or fake confession. Fake repentance. We've seen that on one side, but we have also seen on the other side what? We have seen a sovereign God. The one who reigns and rules over everything and everyone. We have seen God humiliate the Egyptian gods. We have seen God display judgment through the horror of the plagues. But you know what? We've actually also seen God display grace. God is actually, even in the midst of this, the horror of the plagues, he's actually still displayed patience and mercy. Why? Because he spared the lives of Pharaoh and the Egyptians up to this point. However, we have been learning what? God will do whatever is necessary to get your attention. Why? Why is God willing to do whatever is necessary? Why? So that you will know that he is Lord. Which brings us to this painful, pain-filled point. The final plague. J just listen to this again. About midnight, I will go out in the midst of Egypt and every firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. You know, it, it kind of brings in perspective Nat's 
That's a crawling. That's, that's pretty creepy. I think you'd agree. Boils are hurting. That, that's pretty horrible. But they, they can't even be compared. Nothing can be compared to the death of a beloved one. It has to be. It has to be the worst. People, please, please hear me this morning. That there are limits to God's grace. This is hard truth to hear. I know we need a word of encouragement, but a word of encouragement must be preceded by a word of truth. And we need to be reminded this morning that there are actually limits to God's patience. There's limits to God's mercy in, in my life and in your life. Just as there was what? Limits to God's grace and patience and mercy in the life of Pharaoh. We have to be real here. We, we have no idea what is going to entail in the days and weeks, maybe even months to come with this virus. There, there is so much that we do not know. A week ago, two weeks ago, we never dreamed about the thought that we, we can't even gather together because of what lurks out there. There, there's so much that we do not know. But what we do know, what we do know for certain up until this point, up until this point, this moment, this minute right now, I do know this. You and I have experienced grace upon grace. Up until this moment, what we have enjoyed unfettered comforts in our worlds, in our lives. Up until this moment, we have received blessing after blessing and enjoyed freedoms. Knowing what? Knowing the truth, the reality, what? As sinners, we actually deserve, I actually deserve the full un bridled, I deserve the full unrestrained hand of God's perfect justice. I deserve that. You deserve that. This is nothing new. For the last 2,000 years, the gospel of Jesus Christ has been clearly preached around the world. You go back to the first century when a church was planted in what was then known as basically the capital of the entire known world, the city of Rome. What's interesting is that even with all the, the church histories, we actually don't know who planted the first church in Rome. But we do know that it was planted. We do know that truth was preached, the gospel was presented, and that church in Rome, it burst in growth. It was estimated that the church of Jesus Christ in the city of Rome, first century, numbered about 55,000 people. You can be assured they could not. They couldn't meet together. They met in pockets, in homes, scattered throughout. The Apostle Paul writes a letter 
He's in Corinth, A.D. 57, and he writes a letter to the believers in Rome. At this particular point, actually the persecution had not gotten that bad. Nero had only been, what, on the throne for a couple years. He was about 19 years old. It was beginning to heat up. It was beginning to get hard, but it really wasn't that hard. Paul writes a letter, the book of Romans, and he, he begins with these words in, in Romans chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. I long to see you. He'd never been there before. He says, I, I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. What, what great words. Now we know today the, the book of Romans is just what? It is just, it is just theology heavy. I'm not even old enough yet to preach enough. I'm too foolish to try to preach through the book of Romans. Hopefully one day I'll be old enough to do that. We see the doctrine of soteriology all the way through it. We know that a theme from chapter 1, Paul writes and he teaches us what? That the righteous shall live by faith. Paul continues on in chapter 2, he writes what? Challenging. Do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? Paul continues on in chapter 3, and he writes, reminding us what all have sinned, all fall short of God's glory. After that news, in, in, in chapter 4, Paul writes what? And he thrills us with this truth that his righteousness, the righteousness of Jesus, will be counted to us. In chapter 5, Paul writes, encouraging that we have been justified by faith. And then what's interesting, in Romans chapter 6, he writes and he warns us, just as he warned the believers, gathered and huddled in small pockets throughout the city of Rome in the first century. He writes this, that the wages of sin is death. What is amazing and what I am so thankful for and what you and I need to rejoice in this morning is that he doesn't leave us there. Yes, we know what the wages of sin is that the consequence of sin is death, but he actually gives great hope that we need to be reminded of this morning. That verse actually continues on, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Paul continues on in Romans chapter 7, he says, Who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, but it's really, it's that, it's that wages of sin is death part that we are actually seeing what unfurled before us in Exodus chapter 11. It's very dark. It's very depressing. Death as a result of unrepentant sin. But there's a gift here. There's, there's, there's good news here. There does not have to be death. 
Let's pick up the narrative. Let's go to Exodus chapter 12. Let's see what God has planned for us, what God has planned for those whom he loves, whom he keeps his promise to. Exodus chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, this, this month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to the father's houses. A lamb for a household. If the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, according to what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then, then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that, that night, roast it on the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roast it, its head with its legs and its inner parts. And you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat it. With your belt fastened, with your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night. And I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And on all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Did, did you, did you, did you see it in the text? Did, did you hear it? There's, there's ten words that changes Everything. There's, there's ten words that take what bad news and turn it into good news. There's ten words that take bondage into freedom. There's ten words that take death and turn it to life. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. Ten words. Just as the instruction was for a lamb without blemish to die and for the blood to be sprinkled in order for one to be saved, that is exactly what Jesus Christ has done for you.
Only two points we have this morning. The first one, what we know, the consequence of sin is death. The second point, what the conqueror of sin is Jesus. The Israelites were told, here's the instruction, go out to the flock and find the best. Don't just grab the first one that runs up to you, okay? Look, search. Find the lamb without any blemish and I want you to keep it. In, in your home, on the 10th day, I want you to do this. And on the 14th day, so four days, you have this what? You have this adorable, perfectly soft, cuddly, cute little lamb to love on it. But you know what's going to happen. It's only for a brief period of time. Very similar to the fact that, well, we know the incarnation of Jesus, that Jesus Christ came here to this earth, what, just for a short period of time, to love on. But all the while that the kids were playing with the little lamb for four days, they knew it was going to die. Just like what God the Father New. Back to Romans, this time to chapter 8. What? That God the Father would not spare His own Son, but He gave Him up for us. I have told you on more than one occasion, if, if you and, and my son or you and my daughter were both drowning in the river and I could jump in and save one of you, if you or, or my grandson or my granddaughter were both drowning and I can only save one, you're dead. Why? Because a father will protect his own. But our heavenly father says, no, 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 no. He reaches down and saves us and allows His own Son. He gave up His own Son for us. There's perfect, perfectly detailed instructions here in Exodus chapter 12. Instructions on what? Killing the lamb, taking the, the blood and putting it over the, the, the top and the sides of the door, the doorposts. There's instructions on how to roast the lamb on the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. We know the instruction is very clear. You're to, you're to eat this in haste. Have your belt on, your shoes on, your staff ready. You're, 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 you're good to go. Why? Because this is the process that God has put into place to free us. Just like He freed the Israelite people. Why such specific instruction? Cook it like this, not like this. Don't slow roast that thing. Okay? No, no, no crock pot here. This, this is instruction is given. Why is there such specific instruction? Why? Because it says in verse 11, it is the Lord's. Yahweh. I am who I am. It's the Lord's Passover. He calls the shots. We do not. Why is that important? Because you will know that I am the Lord. All the events of the Passover are an amazing, 
truly. And I reserve this word awesome description and demonstration of God's holy judgments on Egypt. But all the events of the Passover, what? In particular, what? The spreading of the blood, the sprinkling of the blood on the doors is a demonstration also of God's mercy. Judgments on those who disobey. What? Mercy on those who obey. Tony Merida says it like this in his commentary, Exalting Jesus in Exodus, and I quote, God accepted the blood of the sacrifice and passed over their sin. Similarly, those who have been born again have Christ's blood covering them. God sees Christ's blood on us and passes over. He forgives our sin and sees Christ's righteousness as our own. What a merciful God. End quote. Just as there was a perfectly planned death for that lamb, there is also, there was also a perfectly planned death for the Lamb of God. That's Jesus. Romans chapter 5 verse 6 says, While we were still Weak, while we were still, in a sense, stuck in our sin. At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. You know, I think it's that phrase, at the right time, where we begin to see the backstory of God's perfect plan in all of this. Even the, the, the description, the detailed description of Jesus' death. What we know happens, as we read in the Gospels, was prophesied hundreds of years earlier in Isaiah, in chapter 53. Just as the lamb had to die for the Israelites to be safe and saved and rescued and redeemed, Jesus had to die in order for us to be safe and saved, to be rescued and redeemed from our own sin. But thankfully, and the delight is this, thankfully, Jesus Christ did not stay dead. Romans chapter 14, for to this end Christ died and lived again. That, that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. Paul writes later in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to conclude our time this morning by asking three questions that only you, only you, in your heart can answer and need to answer. Question number one. Do you understand the consequence of sin? As spelled out very clearly, both Old Testament and New Testament, the wages of sin. Do, do you understand what awaits those who remain unrepentant in their sin, live however, wherever, whatever you want? Second question is this, do, do you know, do you know the conqueror of sin? Do you know Jesus? 
We, we, we get to know people when we spend time together. I can't, I can't be away. I can't be apart from my wife for long periods of time. I want to talk with her. I want to be with her. I want to enjoy sweet fellowship and time, quinea, intimacy together. Do you, do you know the conqueror Jesus? Do you long to be with him, to spend time, to read the word of God, to hear him speak to you? Do you pray? Does Jesus speak to you through his spirits? First question, do you understand the consequence of sin? Do, do you know the conqueror of sin? And number three, will you this morning put your trust in Jesus, the Lamb of God? who takes away the sins of the world. People re remember this. We, we were what? We are slaves to sin, just like the Israelites. We're in bondage. We're slaves. That's us. But by Jesus, the Lamb of God, shedding his blood on the cross, he redeemed us. By, by the Lamb of God, Jesus, rising from the tomb, he freed us. This is a story worth remembering. A story we see all the way through Scripture. Now, why, why, why is this message this morning so, so important? Why this message for this day? In my very short and what seems to be fast 51 years of life on this earth, I never recall a time like we are living in right now. The darkest days of World War II going all the way back to our grandparents, they could still meet and gather as a local church. The darkest days of the Depression, people could still meet together as a local church. The last time, you have to go back almost a hundred years, over a hundred years. 1918, we know what, the Spanish flu, 102 years ago was the last time. We have to go back that far. The people were instructed, don't gather, don't gather, it's too dangerous. And we know what happens. We knew this point. And we've learned that, what, 50 million people around the globe died. Why, why this message right now? Because we are living in a time where I... I'm totally convinced that people have never been more fearful. You, you know, you've had conversations. We've talked to people all week long, the last couple weeks. Never before have more people been terrified of what? Of death. Enter what? Enter you, the church. Those that have been called out with purpose. People, what, literally, what, I've heard people, they won't leave the room. They're terrified. And yet you and I, 
We have the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ that says there's actually good news here. There's nothing to be fearful of knowing that the Lamb of God has paid the price, has suffered the consequence of my sin, of your sin. When we put our faith and trust in Jesus, receive Him as Lord and Savior, and we submit and surrender and we desire to live every day in full obedience to the Lord. Bad news like we hear today has turned into good news. The fear of death has turned into the delight of eternal life. Thankfully, because we are people that have short memories, we have been given a reminder of what Jesus Christ has done for us, the communion table of the Lord, where we understand that what the communion table is a time that has been set apart for the local church to remember what Jesus Christ has done for us, to hold on to the promise that when God himself says, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. There is great news in what we remember and celebrate as a local church today. Do this, eat this, drink this in remembrance of me. It's easy right now for us to be so scattered and running around to forget this is the time to remember. Look back and remember what Jesus Christ has done for us. Look back and remember what God has done for the Israelites. We know that the community table also is a time for us to, 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 to look at our own life. It says very clearly in, in Scripture that Paul gives instruction. Let, let, let a person examine himself. And so I would invite you, I would encourage you. And I know this is different as we what, take communion in, in different places and pockets around our community and around our country. But take a moment to examine. Maybe there's areas in your life of unconfessed sin. Take a moment to confess. Not, not feigned, fake words like Pharaoh, but in genuine sincerity and brokenness. The community table doesn't just allow us an opportunity to look back at what Christ has done. It offers us presently an opportunity to examine our own life. And also what? There is great hope, great hope in looking forward to the promises that are in store for us. I love how it says, Jesus Christ himself says in Matthew chapter 26, I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. <laughs> Just imagine that. Just pause and think that as Jesus was, was gathered with his what, disciples, his faithful followers, huddled in, in little small groups like we are today, and he broke the bread and he poured the cup, he said, this is the last time until we all do it together. Imagine the entire church of Jesus Christ gathered around what? The Lord's table. We are reminded in Scripture what every single time we eat this bread, 
Every single time we drink the cup, we're proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. Why? We need that reminder for us as we, as we remember the communion table of the Lord. We know that Jesus Christ took bread when he was with the disciples. It was unleavened bread. And as they were sitting at the table, he, he passed it out and, and he broke it in front of them. And he said, just as this, this bread is broken, has been torn, my body is going to be torn. Jesus also took the fruit of the vine, he poured it in a cup, and, and he passed that cup around. And he said, just as this has been poured out, so my blood has been poured out for you. What we know that we quickly and easily forget, that's why God gave to us this amazing gift of the communion table to, to physically, what we taste it, we smell it, we feel it, and we remember it. We need to remember it. We know that this is reserved exclusively for believers. If you've acknowledged the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, if you desire to live in full obedience, then this is for you. But if you're listening this morning and you're gathered in a small group of people and you have not put your faith and your trust in the full finished work of Jesus, what was accomplished, what, on the cross and in the tomb, I would encourage you, don't, don't, don't drink this, don't eat this. It would be meaningless, it would be silly for you. But God's word says that today is the day of salvation. It goes back to us asking those questions. Do you understand the consequence of our sin? And do you know the conqueror, Jesus? If you do, then this is for you. We'll take just a moment right now as you are, are, are huddled in homes to pass out the elements, the, the, the bread and the juice. We'll take just one moment in silence and we'll examine our own life. Then we will pray and we'll ask God's blessing on both the bread and the cup. And Lord willing, we will remember, we will remember the amazing promises that Jesus Christ has done for us. Let's take a moment, bow our heads, and I will pray. Father God, we want to thank you. We want to thank you that, Lord, in your amazing and sovereign plan, at the right time, you offered your own son to die. Lord, the, the amount of love is unmeasured. We thank you, Lord, that by offering your son, Jesus, pay the price, to suffer the consequence of, of my sin, of our sin. That when we put our faith in, in Jesus, that you free us from the curse of sin and death. 
Certainly, certainly the physical body at some point for all of us runs out. But that's not the end. And we thank you, Lord, that we have eternal life. That we look forward, Lord, to the time that we celebrate the Lord's table with you in heaven. That we worship forever and ever and ever. We rejoice in that truth. Thank you, Lord, for this reminder that you've given to us who so easily and quickly forget. Father, at this time, I would ask that you would bless the bread and bless the cup. May it be a a renewal in our minds and our hearts. May we remember the promise that says, when I see the blood, I will pass over you keep you safe. Thank you for that amazing promise. Thank you for the good news of the gospel. Thank you that we don't have to live in fear of death, but we live in fullness of the truth of eternal life through Jesus. Bless this now. Bless each home and family and person as they take of this. We ask this now in the amazing name of Jesus. Amen and amen says in the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul says this, that the Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, he, he took bread, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this, eat this in remembrance of me. It says in the same way also, he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this, drink this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And the wonderful promise For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. And it is with that that we rejoice. We understand again that this is a unique setting for us, but I would encourage you to be faithful as you're gathered as family, dads, heads of your home, single moms that are raising kids, make sure you take them to the hope that exists in the good news, in the gospel of Jesus. Be faithful in your time in the word. Be faithful in your time of prayer. Love your neighbors as Jesus Christ instructs us. Check up on others. Pray for one another. And we look forward, we look forward to when we meet again. I just want to close our time in a word of prayer just so that you know as well, we've offered some worship songs. We would encourage you to continue to worship We've sent some songs out as well for the kids so that they can participate. May the Lord bless us as a local church. We don't know when we'll be meeting together again. We look forward to that time. Hopefully soon, we don't know. But we do know this, that God is on the throne, that the gospel is secure and the word of God lives and endures forever. Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for this amazing time we've had together. 
I would ask that you would bless us as a church, that you would watch over us, free us from a sense of fear, help us, Lord, to be truth tellers and, and be tellers of good news, the good news of Jesus Christ. We ask this now in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Lord bless you.